This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking and and bringing up a new, um, it's a new message series. It's called Regeneration. And interesting enough, uh, a few months ago, uh, my wife and I were going to go, uh, we actually went on vacation, and we just... uh, time and the Lord just kept on throwing this word inside of my heart and I didn't really know as I I would thought well is it because um, uh, we're getting our first electric car and it's all about regeneration and I didn't know if it was something going to be physical or something mental but God just wouldn't let me go on this word regeneration and many times God uses things outside of our our world in fact the Bible says all creation shows who God is if you're looking and most of us are so busy, we're just not looking. Or we're not hearing, we're not seeing what he's showing us. And so this word regeneration, I want you to understand, is about God's grace. And just, you know, one of the things that I've learned about, um, about regeneration in a car is when you let off the gas, the car regenerates. And I think many times that's what we don't do. We don't let off the gas in our life. We're just always putting it right to the metal, right to the floor and in life and trying to get somewhere. And we don't really realize that, you know, it's God that needs to regenerate our life. He needs to regenerate our marriage. He needs to regenerate when it comes down to our understanding. For instance, um, this passage that we've been reading through discipleship right now in 2 Corinthians talks about giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, specifically really talk about the heart of giving. And I've noticed that um, in, in, in my own personal life, I've been diligent ever since I got saved. It was an area that I just, my heart exploded about God first. I couldn't wait. I, could, I remember when I worked at Steelcase, I was working there in the shop, and we would get these quarterly bonuses. And I would pray about these quarterly bonuses and say, God, I just want, you know, I want it to be a large bonus because I can't wait to give it. It was the first thing that I really realized that not, it wasn't worship that first touched me. It was giving that first touched my heart, that I knew that God was moving in my life because before I got saved, I didn't want to give at all. But after I got saved, I just want this, what God did inside of my heart, this chamber of my heart is I wanted to give. And then eventually as I was in service, I wanted to worship and then I wanted to serve. And, and then I wanted to, you know, there's all these little areas that God has grace to work in our life. And that's when the world starts seeing who God is in life. And so all of a sudden what happened is, in fact, it was just recently I was going, I've been very faithful and in, in, in giving. Um, in fact, I, I still like to give, but I, my joy of doing it, and maybe it was because we do it online, you know, because everything is so different now, I'm not as attached to it. And it kind of bothered me. As I was reading it, I went, man, I, I, I'm not attached to my giving like I used to be. My heart has grown almost to the point of it's kind of a, a monotonous thing that I do. And I don't want to use that word uh, monotony, but really it's, it, my check comes out all the time. And, and yes, I see souls that are getting saved all the time. And, and I'm excited about that. And, and yes, I'm engaged in helping marriages, you know, seek God. And so there's a lot of activity in my life, but I wasn't engaged with the giving part of it. And you know, we don't have an offering plate that comes across anymore. And 
You know, I, 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 what I really get bothered by sometimes is, is what the enemy does. It seems like we take on a new shape from. In fact, we're going to read. In fact, if you would turn in your um, Bibles or your smart device, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We will have it on the screen for you. But I highly recommend that you begin to start having your own Bible time. So anyway, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll talk about the God of this world. But going back to the giving is I was with one of my sons, um, and I got three sons, and I was with one of my sons the other day, and I've been noticing that he just, um, he gets lit up when you talk about giving. In fact, we just talked yesterday, and we were playing a, a game of cards that I got to, me and my wife got to win him in. Anyway, so that was a good time. But anyway, the point of it is, is that um, he just, he goes, he goes, Dad, I just feel like that's where I'm at, my heart. And I want you to know that's Jesus inside of his heart. That's not just something that he's just going through. That's the work of grace. That's God's work inside of your heart. And some of you, maybe that work of grace is going on during worship. And you know, a lot of our praise and worship, a lot of our team and things have changed a lot around here, right? And so are we so sometimes caught in the monotony that we're doing it unto, we were doing it unto people and with people or are we willing to do it differently? Because it's unto him. Worship is unto him. It's not unto the audience. It's not unto the stage presence. It's unto our God. Amen? And so some of us are struggling with it because there's things that have changed. But if the thing is, get past that struggle with the work of grace. We are here to worship our God. We are here to, and maybe, maybe that's exactly what God's doing. Saying, look, I want to rechange everything. I want to have your heart regenerated inside of your life because it's all for him. And so some of you have had this experience, and we're going to be talking about regeneration because it happens first when you get saved. See, before, before you get saved, the Bible doesn't mean anything to you. You can read it, but you don't get it. It isn't going to make any, it isn't going to touch your heart. It isn't going to make any impressions on you because you're, what the Bible says is you're distant from God. In fact, you're, in fact, what it says is that you're dead to God's ways. Until you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's why every single, every single service, at the end of every service, and if you're in my office, if we're even doing, if we're even doing marital counseling, I'm going to ask you if you're saved. Because everything that I would do and talk about God's word is going to mean nothing unless you are saved. If you have a born again, a regenerated heart, that's what born again means. It's regenerated. It means somehow you plugged into the presence of God in your life and you got saved. But let me tell you something. What happens to so many Christians is that you get saved and you don't regenerate afterwards. You just kind of go through the motions. And then you wonder why all of a sudden you're dull and you're indifferent. And they, all of a sudden things just don't seem to make the difference. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're reading your devotions and they don't, they, they're not alive like they used to be. Or maybe giving, like what I was saying, maybe it's not as alive as it used to be. Let me share something with you. It is imperative that you turn your heart to the grace of our Jesus all the time. You always need it. You need to be constantly in a regenerated space and that your heart has many chambers in it. Physically, you have only four. But I'm gonna tell you something, spiritually, you have endless chambers inside of your heart. And so is that, that's because you're made in God's image and God is endless. You know, God has peace. Guess what? There's peace that's supposed to be in your heart. God has joy. Guess what? There's supposed to be joy that's inside your heart. God has love and he has patience and he has kindness. He has gentleness. He has, these are all the fruits. These are all these chambers. And he also has power. These are all chambers 
that are supposed to be in our heart. And maybe you had it a moment. Maybe you've been on, maybe you're a young person in the room today and maybe you went to a retreat and you got all excited. You got, guess what? You got regenerated in Jesus. And all of a sudden the, the presence of God was really real and active. And all of a sudden now you have just been come, maybe you're in part of church once in a while and you're just not feeling it. It's just not the same. That's because you need to turn your heart to him. And that grace is not supposed to happen just in the house of God. Because truthfully, you are the house of God. And that's where grace is supposed to come in every day. And as you do your devotions, you get regenerated. As you pray, you get regenerated. As you worship, you get regenerated. As you give, you get regenerated. Regenerated. As you serve, as you begin to do all these, all these little chambers in your life, you get regenerated. Otherwise, according to Hebrews chapter 6, you'll get dull and indifferent. That's what will happen. You'll get dull and indifferent. In fact, if I could say it this way, that God is a river of life. And as you plug into the river, he wants that river to flow, the fact, according to John chapter 7, to flow right through you. But what if you dam the river? Which means all of a sudden you're just making things about this world, making things about what's going on, and you're getting frustrated with everything that's going on in your life. You damn that river, not God didn't damn that river, but you damn the river because all of a sudden your attention to what was really important wasn't about what God said was important. And all of a sudden, well, I, I, I don't care about that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do, and all of a sudden you damn, and all of a sudden you don't become an even flow of the power. That's what God is longing to do through your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it talks about a real enemy. And he's a real enemy that'll steal from you. He will kill you. He'll kill your marriage. He will kill you in your relationship with your children. He will kill your service to God. He'll kill your finances. He'll destroy. He wants to destroy things that you, you know what God's building inside your life. This is a real adversary in your life. And it's not something that's of this world, it's an atmosphere pressure up on top. So if you're feeling a lot of pressure, like a lot of us are feeling pressure from above, let me tell you something, that's because the enemy, that's where he lives and that's where he exists with a strategy to destroy your life. He's not someone that doesn't have wisdom and insight. He's got a strategy behind him to wreck you. And he's been following you. And you know what's really scary? He's been following generations of your life. So he knows the very, the very makeup of generationally are things that are problems. So genetic things that have been passed on into your life that you got from your mother and your father and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and all the great, 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 all the way through that, those generational issues that you got in your life that are all passed on, he knows your genetics. He knows how to wreck you and how to ruin you. He's the, by the way, he's the little G of this world. So you need God's grace on a continual basis to overcome. That's what I love about Jesus. Look, he's coming, the enemy's coming, but I've overcome him. So all you need to do is get in the even flow of his presence and his power in your life. And here's the thing that most of us Christians don't get is that we want God to be what we want God to be. And God is already being, he's not gonna be shaped by you. He's wanting your life to be shaped by him. Amen? And that's the difference. That's what happens. And so what happens so many times in our prayer life or in our circumstantial uh, activity of our life, we're not literally flowing from a knowledge and a greater understanding of who God is in our life. 
what we're flowing from is from trial and from circumstances and from pressure and all of the things that are of this world. And that's where Satan resides. God doesn't reside in the world. He resides in you that are living in the world. So God's going, don't live like the world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the grace and the regenerated power that's inside of God. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read this passage to you. should be up on the screen. If the good news we preach is behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. So if I'm reading and I'm at work or I'm at the coffee shop or I'm at the gas station or I'm at the supermarket and I'm just sharing about Jesus and there's a wall toward me, people don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be around it. They don't accept you. You're so full of the good news, but they're just, they get angry at you. Well, this is why. Let, let me explain to you right here. Verse four, Satan, not them, they're not the enemy. Satan, who is the God of this world, little g, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're blind. They don't see the gospel. They don't see the truth. They don't understand. They don't conceive the truth in their life because the little g, the little God of this world, who's in charge of the systems of this world, in charge of the lying, in charge of all the familiar things, in working through your genetics, working through all of those systems, the little g of this world. The only hope that you have is that God's grace comes inside of you and opens up you and regenerates your life. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. Glory just means manifest power. That's all it means. I know it's a churchy word and I know it's a Bible word, but it just means power. So if you're feeling powerless in your Christianity, you're not operating in the kingdom. You're not operating in, in the, what God has, has for your life. It says, the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Let's pray. Father, there's so much to unfold here. And Lord, I, and then I have me in it that's, that's messy, that's not articulate and, and, and clear. But God, we want you. We ask that you would be, be so present inside of your word today so present inside of this message and, and the delivery of it. I pray that those that are listening, whether they're online or whether they're present here, God, that they would receive who you are. Grace would be, man, I pray that their hearts would be regenerated. Lord, I pray for salvations this morning. I pray, Father, for prodigals to come back to you. Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, relationships, marriages, and, and Lord, Father, those that are struggling with parenting or grandparenting, whatever it be, God, that you would turn the light on. Lord, because we realize that the devil is trying to, to, to turn the light off, make it dark. But you are light. You are the presence of light. And we lean into you right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... That's all God's people says, amen. Well, let me share something with you. So we're gonna break this down in the next few weeks. We're gonna try to unfold the work of grace. Now, the work of grace, again, is, is, not, is so many times is, and, and there are denominational, denominational people that have split 
over this crazy, the way they articulate it, grace. So I, I, don't, I don't want to get hung up on wording here, okay? God loves people. God, for God so loved the world, he came down here to save mankind. And yet mankind doesn't see it. Well, now we get it. Second Corinthians 4, the God of this world is trying to block, help them not see it. There are people that are angry with God. Many people angry with God today. Why are they angry with God? I'm going to tell you something. If they ever met God, they would not be angry with God. Amen? They would be saying, oh my Lord, I'm so thankful for you in my life. If they literally had an encounter with God. But what happens is, is that they have an encounter with the enemy and the enemy misguides, lies, manipulates, blinds them. You know what happens with a blind person that tries to cross the street without any help, right? They're going to get hit. And then they get mad at God. But see, they're not mad at the, the little G God. They're mad at the God that you and I serve because they don't understand. They, they are full of lies. So it's imperative. You can be sharing the good news. It is imperative that we pray. It is imperative. That's why in Good Friday, this Friday, we're gonna ask, I'm asking you that show up and let's pray for our community. Let's pray for our loved ones. Let's pray for our schools. Just this week alone, my wife and I have had three families from this church, all right, that have given us some feedback that the young people are angry with their parents because of the Bible. Now, I've been a pastor for 23 years here. This is a first. Now, the answer and I was just sharing with one of our elders today. The answer is not that we hide, hide ourselves from reading the Bible or bringing them to church. That's not the answer. Because we already know that the little G, the God of this world, is blinding them. They need guidance more than ever. They need the church to rise up. We need to be praying and listening and doing everything that God has called us to do to help and assist them. Because what I've seen, like even in our youth groups, I've seen our young people get on excited coming to, from, back from a retreat. They just came back from one heart. They get all excited about them. Why isn't church like this every single week? Well, it's not. Let me just tell you something. I, you know what? You're going to have those spaces where your heart is regenerated and then God's expecting you to use what God put inside of you to touch other lives. That's what he's about. In fact, the Bible says when you don't serve God, that's why we're so about serving God here. Hebrews chapter 6 says it very clearly. You will become dull and indifferent. You will become dull and indifferent because serving God is the even flow of heaven's ways for you to touch. God says, look, I am putting you on this earth to communicate who I am to people. That's who you are. So you are his hands, you are his feet, you're the good news. And so you could be praying all the time, but yet not serving, and you're not doing what God's called you to do. Somebody say amen. All right, so we're gonna unfold today kind of the message of salvation. You say, well, Pastor, that, you know, we, you kind of talk. No, we're going to unfold it, all right? And then I want all of us to understand. By the way, on your app, in fact, I know that uh, Pastor Chad has been, you know, just been like a broken record. Get, in, get on the app, get on the app. On the app, and if you have not gotten on the app, please do so for one, if not for one reason. On the app, if you ever meet somebody at your workplace and you can't tell me you're not meeting people at your workplace that aren't saved. But for one reason, 
Just this one reason alone, you could turn to your app and go, man, I, I wanna really know how to share the good news of somebody at work because if they're going through marital difficulties, what do they need? Jesus. If they're going through financial difficulties, what do they need? Jesus. If they're going through parental difficulties, and by the way, that's gonna be at new levels now. If they're going through parental difficulties, they need Jesus. I don't care whatever they're going through, they need Jesus. And you have it right on your crazy phone how to lead them to, my goodness. It just lays it all out and you can go right follow it. And it's right on your phone. I love my phone. I mean, my phone has been, I use my phone for my, my Bible reading. I use my phone for my, my flashlight. I use my, my, my phone for when it comes down to my calendar. I use my phone for, you know, for so many different things. Now I can use my phone to lead somebody to Jesus. I'm like, I like my phone. I don't love my phone, but I like my phone, all right? Point of it is, as I'm trying to share with you, is that technology isn't our enemy when we're using it unto our God. Not for our God. You know, maybe we could do less YouTube watching on it and maybe more version on it. That's just a, just a thought. All right, number one. All right, we have all straight away Point number one, we have all straight away, our hearts wander away from God and his path for our life. How many, if, raise your hand if you're a we all. Okay, if you're not, then you're not breathing. If you're breathing, you're a we all. Okay, we all stray away. I just shared with you at times where my heart, even in giving, has strayed. It is not as on fire as it used to be and that is not what God wants. So I'm literally stirring it up now again. I'm not, my giving hasn't changed necessarily, but I'm saying, God, I turn my heart toward you and I want the same joy to rise up on the inside of my heart with giving. Isaiah 53, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So thank God it's not because of what you're smart enough, you're, you're good enough, you're, it's all because of Jesus said, look, I know that you have it inside of you to go, to go wrong, but I have sent my son to set your path straight. Romans 5 verse 12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. So this, we talk about viruses, this thing that's called sin, it spread everywhere. And by the way, sin is a nature as much as righteousness is in nature. Sin nature, all right, is fed by lies. Righteousness nature is fed by truths. So how much time do you spend in the truths will help you understand how long and how strong you are in the righteousness path. And how, many, how much time you spend in this world full of lies. I don't need to go there, right? Romans 3 verse 23 says this, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There's no one in here who can sit there and go, you know what, I got it better than you do. I got it stronger than you do. I'm smarter than you do. I really got this thing figured out. All of us fall short of God's glorious path, which means I need grace, you need grace. So we all are needy, amen? And I don't know about you, but I don't really like the idea of feeling needy. In fact, inside of me, my sin nature goes, I could do this on my own. I can figure this thing out. There's got to be a YouTube thing, how to get saved. <laughs> I can do this, right? But you can't. 
You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as much as you need him to get saved, you need him today to stay in that course for your path. God, the grace that got you saved is the grace that keeps you in his path of righteousness. Number two, God's grace is more than a churchy word or a one-time event in a Christian's life. Without God's grace, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, you'll be led astray. Let's, let me give you some examples in the Bible real quick. A comparison led Cain to kill his own brother. He compared how God looked at Abel and so he killed. So he was led astray by a lie. That's how quickly it happens. Confusion, Jesus' own disciple led Judas astray. Religion led Saul before he became Paul. Greed led Balaam. Satan himself, because of platform, he goes, I'm gonna be, I want a bigger position. I want, I, I, I want to be exalted more. Yet let me give you some other ones. How about forgiveness led Stephen as he's being stoned to death by religious people, he was led by grace to say, I forgive them for they know not how what they do. Or, or when we get, you know, when we, when we find about Barnabas who was radically gets saved and gives away everything, all his finances, he was a wealthy man, had a house on a water and everything else, he gave it all away just to follow the gospel. So I'm gonna tell you something, there is grace that wants to work inside of life for us to, to be led. And if you're not f finding that grace, if you're not feeling that lead from God, then plug into it. Ask for it. There's, a, there's one thing I'll tell you about prayer. Paul says, ask for grace. Not just grace for salvation. Maybe you're saved, but maybe you're, not, you're feeling powerless in your walk with your salvation. Then ask for the grace inside of your walk. Romans 3.21 says this, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in who? Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number three, Jesus paid the price. He paid what you couldn't pay. He paid the price that you and I could not pay. This is where the regeneration starts. If when you read the Bible, it doesn't make any sense to you, or you, you know, you're, in a, you're in a place of church like this, and you're just looking at a bunch of people, they're, they're weird and awkward to you, and maybe you're here because your parents drag you, maybe your spouse or your, someone that you're dating dragged you here, and it's just, this, you're, you're gonna do this thing just because, well, they want you to be here, but you're not experiencing what, what some of us are experiencing, and that's the grace of Jesus. When you realize that this, is, that this isn't of this world, the joy that you have in your heart, the hope when things are so hard, and yet you still have a hope inside. That's not of this world. There's the Bible says there's a hope that's not of this world. And yet I find some people that are living in a hopeless situation and they're trying to grab at everything that this world has. But I'm saying that it's not of this world. What I'm saying is right now is, is a grace, is a presence of God that's not of this world. Number four, being right with God means that you understand his presence and follow his path for your life. 
We're going to be unfolding this more and more as the weeks come. Talking about how grace upon grace in your walk. How God can just literally change the course and bring things inside of your marriage, bring things inside of your children, bring things inside of your grandchildren, bring things inside of your finances, bring things inside of your health, because it's all who God is. And God works this thing through his grace. And grace, by the way, it means divine influence. All of us, when I say the word influence, you get what I mean. We have friends that influence us. We got, we got drugs that influence us today. We've got lies that influence us today. We got generational habits that influence us today. But what if we were turning to God's word? And what if we were turning to prayer? And what if we were surrendering to worship and, and literally plugging into this thing called grace? God calls grace, and it's kind of a churchy word, but what is it? It means an influence in your life for everything that is through your life. What if you, the Bible says that, you know what, I want to be Lord of all. And so that his influence, his ways were in all of your life. My wife and I had the privilege to meet um, a sister in Christ who is watching us online right now. And uh, she's elderly and she's not well enough physically to be here. And uh, she's 83 years old. And we prayed with her and hung out with her. I don't remember what evening it was. Was it what evening? I can't remember what evening it was. But all I know is the presence of God. And I thought I was talking to grandma. I have a, a grandmother who lived to, to be over 100. And just Jesus. You just hung out with her and it was just Jesus. You know, and um, anyway, I felt like I was with grandma again. And it was just Jesus. And we had, and she was telling me what God was speaking to her heart. She's 83 years old, brothers and sisters. And her whole heart, the reason she wants to be part of this church is because of this. She goes, she wants the next generation to follow Jesus. She prays that her home, that one day will be filled with somebody that knows Jesus. She prays for her neighborhood that they would know Jesus. And she loves this church because this church lights that candle. And by the way, if you're saved today or this last week and you have not lit that candle, that little kick in the pants, that's my foot and probably God's spirit kicking you in the pants, you should be lighting that candle. Amen? But the point of it is that she's all about believing and she's watching us online. And then there's another sister right now that can't be here because she went through so many hardships in those last couple months in her life. Ones that most of us would, you know, some, I've watched people deny Jesus. Well, if this is what, this is what faith is all about, I have, I'm done. And she's turning her heart even more to God and believing that she can come back to her house, back to the house of faith. Where there, is, there is a body of Christ that's online right now and there's a body of Christ that's present with us right now. The bottom line is, is that are we present with God? Whether you're watching or whether you're here, are you feeling his presence? In this weeks to come, I want to share with you that God's a God of order. I know that some of us, what happens in our lives, and we want God to do things the way we want him to do. And you know what? God says, look, I, I got a way about me. It's called order. In fact, you read the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, what's the first thing you see about God doing? Putting everything in, in order. So if your life's full of chaos, God will come into your life. But for, you know what he's going to ask for and want to do in life? He wants to put 
order to your life, order in your marriage, order in your raising of your kids, order in your schooling, order in your finances, order in your health, order in everything else. He's look, that's what he's going to do. And he'll unfold that chapter by chapter slowly. In fact, so much so that we read this, and I, this is what I love about God's word because it includes those, those moments where we mess up. Here's David, loves God, seeks God, gone through so much. And so he wants God's presence for, he's a king now, for his kingdom that God's asking him to lead. <laughs> Sounds like a right thing to do to me. And so he sends this ark over, which is like a cart, and said, hey, put the ark of God's covenant, which represents the presence of God, put it on the cart and bring it back. And then Uzzah, one of the, you know, Uzzah and Perez, they, what they do is they go over there and they, they haul this cart and all of a sudden, the, one of the oxen stumble and the cart stumbles and Uzzah does what you and I probably would do, protect the, you know, protect the ark. And he puts his hands and touches the ark and dead right on the rival. And David goes, he gets mad at God. This is what I love about how many, I know that most of us in this room probably get mad at God at one time or another. David gets mad at God. You know why David got mad at God? Because he didn't understand God's ways. That's why we get mad at God. Because if we really got in his presence, there's nothing to get mad about. It's creative, it's orderly, it's wonderful, it's peaceful, it's gentle. And what happens is, is that we brought our messiness into his order and all of a sudden it just got kind of tweaked. We're gonna find out that's what grace does. It brings his plan, unfolds his plan in the weeks to come. And it regenerates you inside of his plan. And so what happens is Obed, I love it. Ever say Obed. What happens is Obed, he's just a, he's just a guy that lives you know, on, the, on the roadside. And David just goes, you know what? This doesn't work. I must have done something wrong. Because what David did is he didn't let off the pedal. He stepped on it, did it his way. And you know, guess, you know what? And what happens is, is this Ark of the Covenant gets in Obed's house. Let me tell you something. When the presence of God gets in your life, you are going to be blessed. It says three months. Three months. So here we are with just a couple verses that happened to Obed. But it says the presence of God was at Obed's house and everything got blessed. How many want that in your life? All you need is the presence of God in your life. That's all you need. That's what, and we have a word for that. I mean, you know, that's kind of a churchy uh, little uh, uh, dialogue or thought process or whatever, but it just means grace. It just means God's grace that comes in your life. I want to be open. I want to get off. I want to get my foot off the gas. I want God's presence in my marriage. I want God's presence in my kids. I want my presence in my grandkids. I want God's presence in my, my business affairs. I want God's presence in this church. I want God's presence on Friday, Good Friday. I want God's presence on Easter. I want God's presence in, in the supermarket. And the other day, my wife and I are just going to get groceries. And guess what? We see people from our church family and we get to talk. I want God's presence in the gas station. Jeremiah chapter 17, 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful thing of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Verse 10, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what they, their actions deserve. I am so thankful that in Jeremiah 17 that I don't have to be left in a place of my own. 
that all I need to do is lean into God. I am so thankful I can lean into God for my marriage. I am so thankful I can lean into God when I don't know what to do with my kids. Or I don't want to know what to do with my grandkids. I don't know what to do with my, you know, with a business situation. I don't know what to do. I am so thankful that I can lean in. So many times I get my foot on the gas because I'm a, I'm a problem solver. And so I, I see problems. I don't stray from them. I jump in. I'm one of those persons that gets, put, put, the, put both feet on the pedal. But I have learned, I'm almost 60 here and I'm a little slow. <laughs> I have learned how powerful God is. And if everything I can do is help you get on your knees and watch God do more in your life. If I can encourage that, if I can create an environment for that, if I can pray with you to see God's grace working with you, that I, I would find that that would be the greatest win, the greatest thing I could ever communicate so that we could, we could destroy the little G of this world and we could see the big G, big God, how big he is and exalt him in our life. Number five, we're almost closed. Seeing, hearing, or perceiving who God is does not come natural, but through a supernatural relationship with God. You're not going to be able to just go through the motions and, and all of a sudden things are just going to unfold the way God, you want, God wants. That doesn't happen. It's going to have to be intentional living with Jesus. You're going to have to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to seek you first. Daniel would seek God three times. I get it. I get it, man. Early in the morning, then, at, you know what, at noon, and then in the evening. You know why? Because I think the little G is always working and if there's anything I'm learning, he's, probably, he's in my morning, he's in my afternoon, and he's certainly trying to wreck my evenings. Number six, all who call out to God will be saved. Everybody say all. Now, all who call out to God will be saved. Romans 10, if, if verse 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew, Gentile are the same in his respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't understand why it's so difficult, but I think it's the sin nature in us. Adam and Eve, they first sinned, and yet they didn't call on God. They ran away from God. That's what we do. We need God so much, and things go wrong in our marriage. And, and what we try to do is we try to fix it for God instead of calling on God and say, God, I, I don't know how to do it. I need you. Or we have struggles with our kids. And I don't, you know, and instead of going over there and we, we're, we're going to take, you know, things, you know, this is the way my parents raised me. And then we're going to try to forcefully make them obedient and disciplined. And yet the Bible says all who call on the, and it seems to be like, like Adam and Eve, it's the last place we go. Until things get so desperately messed up. All who call on the name of the Lord. And by the word, the, by the way, the word saved to God means holistic. It means to, to be wholly correct, to do it, 
to, so salvation isn't just something like a, all of a sudden you're lost and now you're saved. So to be saved means to be in his plan, in his presence, in his design. Number seven, the regenerative power of God puts his thoughts and ways on your heart. I want to forgive. I want to trust. I want to love. I want to worship. I want to celebrate. I want to kneel. I, I, all of a sudden, it's not something I'm forced to do. It's not like, you know, when, when I was raised and going to church where my father had to grab my shoulders and squeeze real hard because I was not doing the, the right things or my mom meets the pastor at D&W because that's where she works and go, hey, where's your son been lately? Well, I thought he's supposed to be in catechism on Wednesday night. No, he's not there because I was skipping catechism. I was skipping church. That's your pastor. I was a knucklehead. But I didn't understand. In fact, I didn't really get taught the presence of God. In fact, I went to that same pastor and said, there's got to be more to this God than what I'm experiencing. Those were my words. I was 13 years, I was seeking. I was hungry. You know what, I wanna ask you, what is a treasure to you? God wants to be sought after like a treasure. Is he your treasure? Is, is, what you're, is what he's given to you a treasure? Satan wants it to be an obligation. He wants you to feel guilty and strained in everything that you do. Jeremiah 31, probably one of the first things when I got saved, this is one of my favorite passages. And this is what I ask as I see myself on that gurney table and you know, wheels hopping along the, on, going across the hallway. And I go, God, put me Put me on your operating table. I'm going to make a mess of my marriage. I'm going to mess this church up. I'm going to mess my staff up. I'm going to mess it up. God, put me on that table and do some surgery. Do what you do, God. Holy Spirit, write that. And this is what I love about God, because see, in the Old Testament, God wrote on stones. With his finger, he he burned, he burned his finger in stone. And sometimes I have a stony heart. So that even if I have a stony heart, doesn't mean God can't do it. All I gotta do is ask. Ask. Call on God and ask. In Jeremiah 31, we're gonna end with this and we're gonna pray. But this is a new covenant. This is a new promise, God says. I will make with the people of after those days, says the Lord, I will pour out my instructions deep within them. I will write them on there. Say it with me. Say it with me. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors and their, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from, the, from Israel to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. I will forgive their wickedness. I will never again remember their sins. Jesus spoke these words to the religious leaders of that day. And in John chapter 3, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, what does that mean? That don't make any sense. How can an old man be, go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. I want spiritual life. I want spiritual life in my kids, 
my marriage, my grandkids. I want spiritual life in this church. And, and you know, I, I, I've been around a lot of the times when my grandkids are born or my kids are always born. It was beautiful. What a joyous time to watch physical birth in this world. And yet, spiritual birth, that's how God sees it. It's a joyous time. So let's recognize and see things, because remember, Satan blinds us. He's, what he is blinding our eyes to try to see what is really God's picture of things today. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Father, I'm thankful for this moment here. I'm thankful for the presence of God. Lord, all of us really want to have an obed life, a life where your presence is, and you bless everything. And we recognize there's an order to it. And God, I have so many things in my life that are out of order. Even things I don't even know that are out of order, that are out of order. Teach us your ways in this. Jeremiah 31 tells us so clearly that you would write your ways and your thoughts on our heart. God, I've had things on my heart that are not yours. God, we have things in our heart that are not yours. I pray that your finger, your presence of your finger and your power touch hearts today. I pray that it brings a regeneration inside of them, Lord, for their marriages, for their, Lord God, for the, the prodigals that all of a sudden they're coming back. I've sensed that there are many prodigals going to be coming back in this day. And Father, thank you for the truth that we see that there's an adversary trying to blind us. And thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross that we could be born again, born of the Spirit. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Word of God is not alive inside of your hearts. Things are distant. Things are different, indifferent in your walk. That's not how God's grace is meant to live inside of you. All you need to do is call on the name of the Lord. In a moment, we're going to pray. You can call on His name. He'll come and live inside of you. And, and all of a sudden, things that will come alive. And what that life is, is God's handiwork inside of you. He's shaping you spiritually to be his child. The way you were, just, you were born to be. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching online right now, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Or maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you, maybe you began walk with God and you've lost your way, come back to him. Pray this prayer. Call on the name of the Lord with me today. Let's pray together. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life in your hands. I do call on your name, Jesus. You are my Lord and my Savior. I receive forgiveness for my sins. I yield my life, all of it to you. In your name I pray, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.